Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Thank you so much. Hi, Victory. How you doing? Are you doing okay? You know, you know what? I know, I know people do this. Can you hear me good? Let me hear them. I, I know people do this, but this is just right to do. And that is just to understand that, you know, you know what, uh, uh, what was it yesterday? Uh, yeah, it was yesterday. They had the uh, football game. Uh, who, y'all remember who played, uh, who played yesterday uh, in the stadium there? The, uh, the somebody against the somebody's play. And, <laughs> and, and, and you know what? I saw people going to, you know, where I was downtown in, in hotel. Saw people had their scarves on. Uh, you know, some of them had their face painted. And, and you know what? If you had a different color, you were kind of yelled at, you know, and, and names were called. You know, that, and that thing was going on. And I'm thinking... Uh, and the same thing happens in America where, where they do the same thing. We get so excited about something that we can't even remember the score of two weeks later. And I'm saying, you know what? Some of us, when we have visitors come to church, they end up looking out at a sporting event and say, there's more excitement there than there is right here. And I'm saying, if anybody's visiting here, can we not victory let them know that this is where the party is? This is, come on, somebody praise the Lord. Somebody give him your best. Give him your best. Yeah. Good, good. Well, never mind. All right, thank you. Thanks for following. They knew what I was doing. Hey, good guys. Y'all good. Hey, give, give the band here, the singers, a big hand. Good job, guys. Great job. Good job. I want a hat like that. I want a hat like that. And I bet you it's not your hair. It's probably in the hat. It fits so Okay, good. Good. Hey, sit down. Sit down. Let's, let's, let's have fun tonight. You want to have fun? When I come to church... Church is fun to me. You know, it's, it's not a drug. It's fun when I come, and, 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 and I enjoy myself. Uh, I, you know, when you've lived in the world, and you, you, you've been unsaved for a period of time, and I'll talk about that a little bit, you know, when you get in church, this is really life to you. It really is fun when you come, and uh, this is going to be a great night, and uh, I, I'm just excited to be here. Yes, I had an opportunity to talk to your pastor, and uh, Pastor Kath, we, 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 we kind of connected and talked right in the beginning and uh, you know what, I, I, I was excited about coming tonight. I heard so many things, uh, you know, about the church. Uh, and, and, and I know, uh, and Chris, what happened with Chris, I was, uh, uh, and I talked to Lisa the other day. And you know what's interesting, uh, Pastor Kat, what, what's interesting is that, you know, I've known Chris back from the early Planet Shaker days when he was playing, you know, in the band and things like that. And I told Lisa, I said, you know what, what's, what's interesting is Chris, Chris actually uh, uh, sent me a message about a week before uh, the accident happened, and sent me a message and just really just encouraged me, and and uh, that showed his heart of who he really was, and and I didn't know it, I didn't know where the church in the sense of where he was from, and and then when I kind of figured out, I got asked to come here, and that's where he was. I'm like, yeah, I get to come, I get to come here, and and so I'm all excited. I saw Lisa, and I love Lisa, and and uh, you know you know what, uh, your pastor is. Uh, is someone, we were talking here, uh, Kath and I, about, uh, we've been in our church 23 years, and they've been 22 years, and I tell you what, somebody that's been in church that long in one place, it really is something special, because you go through wars and rumors of wars. I mean, you go through everything, and uh, you know what, it's, it's, it, and when you stay that long, then you realize, I can count on who is here. They're not fly-by-nights, they're not going to leave. I've got pastors that will care for me. Here you've got your pastor that is sick and shouldn't be here, as we know. He struggles to come up here and, and to be able to talk to you because he hasn't. I would probably be, I'd do the same thing. I'd try to do the same thing. Let me tell you something that you need to understand. I'm going to tell you from someone that's pastoring to someone that's another congregation here. Uh, and I will speak for the pastor, but he won't say this because he, I wouldn't say it to my church. But in Galatians 6, 7, the Bible talks about you reap what you sow. It says that. But we don't ever look at what Galatians 6, 6 says. And what Galatians 6, 6 says, it says, to those that are taught the word are to give back to the one who teaches. To you that are taught the word are to give back to the one who teaches. So what it's saying is, is that in the ministry, listen to this, 
uh, in America, there are 1,500 pastors leave the ministry, leave the ministry and quit every month. And they leave the ministry because they don't feel any appreciation. There's nothing reciprocating back. You see what I'm saying? Those that are taught are to give back to the one who teaches. So what it's saying, it reciprocates back, it comes back. And so, you know what, there are a lot of churches don't understand, you are so valuable in the spiritual health of your pastors that you need to give back. You've had 22 years of ministry from this family given to you. I wonder how much you have given back. Have you stopped to just write a note and say, Pastor, thank you for doing this. Pastor Kath, thank you. You spoke something the other day that changed my family. I just want to let you know something. Here's a little gift card here to a restaurant. I want to say thank you for your commitment for your faithfulness. You are great. Let us know. So what I'm telling you, thank you both of you. Okay. So what I'm saying, <laughs> so, so what I'm saying is church, listen, you don't know how much what you do and what you say ministers back to us by just letting us know, writing a note, just saying something. My children, my family has been blessed over the years. That ministers to us on this side. So I challenge you this week, do something, write something to this family that has dedicated their entire lives to you and built an incredible church. Do you appreciate your pastors here? Let them know that right now. Ta-da! I'm impressed with the family because I see the kids up here. Now, they're kind of out of control. They're jumping all around. But I know. <laughs> but, but you know what? Seeing, seeing the kids up here and seeing the children, um, seeing preacher's kids, and you don't know what they go through. And I know the preacher's kid. I could talk to you and help you guys too. But that, you know what? And my kids. My kids grew up. Uh, my wife here, my wife came with me, but she hit the wall. She's kind of hit that, hit that proverbial wall when you, when you, when you when you go upside down, you flip over, you know, so it's probably around four or five o'clock in the morning, our time, and she just hit the wall there, and so I just said, fine, you stay home, I'll come, but my wife, let me tell you a little bit about my family, because I, I think by your pastor and his family up here ministering, where, you know what, and there's a lot of places you won't see that happening, and you'll see, the, you'll see pastor's kids rebelling, they're not, they're not up here doing that, but this is, this is a, this is a miracle in a sense of seeing the family ministering together, and one of the things that God told me years ago as a man with my wife in the ministry. He says, Glenn, if you don't take care of your bride, I'm not going to let you take care of mine, which is the church. And so I realized that my family, and listen, everybody's family, amen. How many have a family? Raise your hand. You have a family out here. Okay. Your family is the most important thing. You put your name, men, on, on, on your family and on your kids. That is the first church you need to take care of and make sure that they are saved. They're living for God more than anybody else. Amen. You need to do that. And so, so I made sure that, that uh, Debbie, Debbie is a, is a prayer warrior. I mean, she, she is a, uh, she runs a thousand people in a prayer ministry. Uh, every Monday night. It's every Monday night. She'll have a thousand people on Monday night and she ministers. She has 150 prayer warriors, intercessors that will come to the altar and pray. Uh, she, how, how many saw that, saw that, uh, that, that movie War Room? Anybody see? My wife, my wife has a war room, Kat. She has a war room. And, and what she did, we have, a, we have a little pool in the backyard, and we have like a little uh, uh, outdoor bathroom out there that you use, and you go to the pool so you don't come in the house, get everything wet. And she took it over. She took it over. She piled pillows in it. She's got all these pillows, got a little lamp in it, got stuff on the floor, and it's where a little shower and a, and a, and a toilet is. And you know what? I, I don't have anywhere to go to the bathroom. I can't even go in there anymore. I got to go out with the dog. And so... <laughs> It's just really sad. But she, she is, uh, listen, I can't even go in there. She will not let me go in her prayer room. It is her prayer room. And uh, it's amazing what she has done and the authority that she has. She wrote a little book. We sold out of them so quick. We sold thousands of them. She, this book is named I Live to Set You Free. And God set her free from generational things of her family of fear and all this. I just wish we had enough to make it available to you, but it's not there. Then, then we have our oldest child, oldest, oldest daughter, Kelly, uh, at 15, was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. And poor little uh, Kelly here, she's going into at 16th, 11th grade, and she's got a handicap sticker in her car, and she's, her hands are curled up. And this is, this is how my oldest one, back, back years ago when she was 16, 
and uh, she still suffers with this rheumatoid arthritis, and, uh, but she's got a call in the ministry, and, and, and she speaks like a Joyce Myers kind of person. You know, she just has stories, and she has this, and although her hands are all curled up, she still ministers, and she's married. They told us she couldn't have any children, but she's got two kids that are miracles that God gave her. I'm just kind of inspiring you a little bit, okay? I'm just kind of telling you some stories here. Because, see, sometimes you don't think us in the ministry, we go through anything. No, no, we go through a lot of stuff. We just kind of don't let it bother us. See, we're going to keep smiling through it because we know we can't change it, and we know that God's going to bring me through it, so I'm not going to get upset. So, So don't stop when you're going through hell. Just keep going so you can get out. And so, so that's my oldest one, and, and they're, they moved to Orlando, so they went to Orlando, and, and, and they're doing missions and all kinds of stuff there. My middle girl, Christy, uh, she's been over here to Australia. She sings. She started singing at 15. She, they wanted to sign her at Sony and DreamWorks in the secular realm because of her singing, and we basically said, no, we're not going to do that. And uh, she's down in, uh, in, in Los Angeles with a church called Fearless Church right in the middle of downtown Los Angeles. And they have two campuses now, and they're pastoring, and they have two children. So now that means I have four grandchildren right there. And then my son, uh, Micah, who is my youth pastor and also my young adult pastor, and uh, who, who now, uh, he'll be in Sydney preaching, I think, in October, and I'll meet him over in Perth here, I think, in October for a conference. He's speaking in New Zealand. He gets called all over, and, and uh, he just had his first little boy. And so he's got a little boy. He named him Micah. Micah, no, no, that's his name. Uh, he named him Beckham Micah Berto. And so I finally got a Berto child. You know, I got my son now has my last name. The two girls there, you know, I don't have any kids with my last name there. And so I've got finally the, the Berto boy. So we got five grandkids that I have. And, uh, and, and what's amazing is, is that I wasn't raised in church. So I didn't grow up in church. And because of one life being changed, my life being changed, all of a sudden there's a whole legacy of people that are my three children. Now I have five grandchildren. And guess what? They're all in church. Those babies are all in the church all around. And they're doing something that who would have thought your life being changed? Just one person in your family, no one else in your family, but you, you get saved and you change the whole atmosphere of your family. Amen? So, so that's my family, and uh, they're all in the ministry, which is a miracle. And, and, and so when I, saw, when I just saw the kids just ministering, uh, just doing that, that, that says something. That, listen, I don't say something about your pastor and his wife. That says something to you that, you know what, what they're teaching up here, they're living it at home. Yeah. Amen? That's true. Now, now, my wife here, I only have two things left, and there's only six of these left. So there's only six of you that can get these. My wife's message is here. She's got things on breaking curses. Do you have a heart condition? How can you mend a broken heart? The fear of the Lord. Time to get mad at the devil. Let me believe that's a good one right there. Uh, she has this. There's only six of these. And then my wife and I did a thing called on the family that we did not long ago. And uh, I didn't have my little hair on my chin here. And, and, and we did it. You'll, I'll show you this. And, and let me tell you, on Family Strong, what we did is that we set up a bed uh, on the stage, uh, our, in, like our bedroom, and we preached from the bed is what we did. And as we preached from the bed, my, uh, uh, my wife, now she, she wasn't supposed to do this, but you'll see in this, she gets up off the bed and she walks up to the front of the, pl- the, uh, the stage and she starts preaching and leaving me on the bed. Well, you know what, men? That's not supposed to happen. She was upstaging me. And so that can't happen. So I have to get up. And I threw the little stuffed animal on the ground, and I had to get up there and, and to go ahead and start preaching too. And, uh, and, then, and then what happened, you could tell she caused me to do something in the video and watch her reaction to it. Uh, this is Family Strong. Here's a little clip of this right here. That's available too. Watch this here. The word family is the number one area for prayer that is needed every week in our church. Ladies, take your hands off of him so God can put his hands on him. Listen, you got to trust God that God will tell it. Look, you said some ugly things there. Get yourself up and go in there and apologize. Uh-huh. That's happened several times, what, too. What point? Where you got up and I, when I kept my mouth shut, where you got up. In and 40 years of marriage, she has two times, uh, two times that I, I did that. There is a way you deal with lust. You know, don't turn around and look. Turn around and run. Man, we want you to understand. Here she goes. Here she goes. Will be 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, yeah, you could, you could, you could tell that she, she wanted me to kiss her. Could you tell, guys? That's what she was asking for, and I, I basically obeyed. Hey, <laughs> let me tell you a little bit before I even, I even uh, share with you tonight. Look at this crowd. I mean, you're here on Sunday night. We don't have, in America, we don't have Sunday night services, though. We have, we have, I have a Saturday night, and uh, we have a Monday night. That Monday night prayer meeting is just packed, but uh, this, is, this is really great here. Uh, it, this is a strong church for night. You guys are serious coming Sunday night, and... Uh, uh, let me give you a little background. I was, I was born in New Orleans, Louisiana, so my accent is not California where I'm at. I'm, I'm a Louisiana guy, and, uh, and, and I was born down in New Orleans. I remember when I was in Sydney, uh, first time I was over in Australia, I was in Sydney, and I was telling people that I, 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 uh, I, I grew up going to Mardi Gras. <laughs> and in Sydney, I understood it meant different than... <laughs> and I didn't know that, so... They're like, well, where did this preacher come from that's going to Mardi Gras in Sydney? And I thought it was a, I just thought Mardi Gras was only in New Orleans. Just a new, so New Orleans, Mardi Gras. How many see swamp people? You, do you get swamp people? Those are all my cousins. That's my cousins. That's, I'm related to those people. That's where I'm from. I know all those rivers down there. I know all the stuff. I, I, I'm aware of all those places down in the swamp down there. And so this is where I'm from. And so I grew up in, in the age of spanking. Did anybody, you remember those days where you could actually spank a child? You notice you can't do that anymore? We got to do time out. Time out. Yeah, that works really good. Time out. Tommy, sit down. Time out. My daddy believed in knockout. I'm going to knock, I'm going to knock you out. Blackout, we'll blackout. I didn't know a belt was a piece of clothing until I was 16 years old. I, I, thought, I thought it was a weapon to kind of, uh, for prisoners you'd beat them with. No, no, no. And so I grew up in, the, in South Louisiana where, where, where everybody loves everybody and everybody could, everybody kissed you and all your, you knew your fourth cousin and everybody in the store could spank you. If you, uh, if you were not acting right in the store, there could be some strange lady spank you and then bring you over to your mama and she'd spank you and thank the lady for spanking you and then bringing you home and let daddy spank you and you got spankings all day. My dad would be on America's Most Wanted today. I mean, he would just be in trouble. We were the place that invented the phrase, bless his heart. We did that in Louisiana. We taught everybody, bless his heart. And if you say, bless his heart, or bless her heart, if you say that at the end of anything you say, it pretty much wipes it clean, okay? Two men standing there, two ladies standing there, they're just looking, said, whoo, that's an ugly baby, bless his heart. And say... <laughs> You notice when you say that, it pretty much, it heals everything. Ooh, look at that little boy. He can't play baseball. He's so bad in soccer. Bless his heart. <laughs> right. And then that pretty much, you're, you're healed. You're, 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 you don't, you're okay. I, uh, I grew up, uh, and, and, and I remember when I was in junior high, they had these big bands, the Beatles and Rolling Stones, and there was a, a group, there was a band called Jimi Hendrix that came over when I was a, I was a kid, and I, so I ended up, bought a guitar, I got a guitar, and I started playing Jimi Hendrix and all of his stuff, and I got a purple, uh, I got, I got a, a purple vest, and I had a fro, I got a fro, because black guys have a fro, and it's really cooler than I like this hair here, because you could move, you could make it wave to you when it stick up, it wave, and so I'd play all this, and I learned how to play on the back of my neck and so forth. And I did that. And also football was really big. Football in the South is like a God. And so my dad loved football, started playing football. And uh, none of them were, nobody was saved in my family. Nobody saved at all. And, uh, and it, what happened is when I got into my senior year in football, uh, my dad lost his job. And the only way that I could go to college, which all of us want our kids to go to college, was to get a scholarship. And you could get a football scholarship in America. If you're a good player, you can go pretty much sign for four years, pays all your tuition, all your dormitory, all your food, uh, all your classes to get your major free if you played football and you signed a scholarship to play football. So I, in, at the end of my, 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 my senior year, I was an All-American and uh, running back, and so I had offers from all over, and I wasn't saved, and I, I went up and signed a, signed a scholarship to go to a school, a university, and I went up there, and I never heard about 
how to even be saved all of my high school years. Some of you in high school here, you need to open your mouth before you leave. You need to tell somebody before you leave that school why you serve the Lord and why you love him and why you even go to church. They don't know. And no one shared with me the whole time I'm in high school. And all of a sudden I show up one day and a Pentecostal preacher's son also comes to our school and they heard about me and he comes up to me and said, Glenn, he said, are you Glenn? I said, yeah. I said, who are you? He said, I'm Denny. And then the first thing he says to me, he said, are you saved? And I said, from what? I didn't even know what he's talking about. And so he just starts questioning me. Have you believed in your heart? Lord Jesus, accept Jesus in your heart. And I said, no, I, what are you talking about? I said, you some kind of preacher. He was a preacher. Yeah, that's what he was. So what happened, it took three years. and make this short, three years. And he kept talking to me, and I kept talking to him. He would go to the football meetings and talk about, you know, how the Bible study, he only had three people. And then when he sat down, I'd get up and talk about the party that was going to happen. And this is in college. And so I had more people always coming to my thing than his little Bible study. But what happened is, three years later, uh, uh, you know, he came to my, he knocked on my door. I said, what do you want? He said, it's Denny. I said, what do you want? He said, I'm, I'm, I need to talk to you. I said, you know, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I said, all you want me to do is go to church. Or go. I'm not going. I'm not going. He knocks on. I said, okay, come on in. He comes in and he looks up. He looks up my ceiling. I said, what are you looking at? I started looking. And he says to me, the rapture. <laughs> now, now, somebody in the world has never heard that word, the rapture. I've never heard the rapture. Some of you had not heard the rapture. So, but the rapture. I made the mistake of asking this Pentecostal preacher kid what the rapture was. And as soon as I asked him what the rapture was, he gets in his preacher stance like this, and I'm the only guy in the room. There's nobody else in the room. He's, I'm, just, I'm by myself. And he starts preaching, whoa, that's when Jesus will appear in the clouds. And in a twinkling of an eye, all of us, we caught up with him. But if you don't accept him, you're going to burn, you're going to burn, you're going to burn. And so do you want to go with us to heaven in the rapture? I'm like, boy, he's good. He's really good. I honestly said to him, I said, no, I can't go, Denny. I promised my mom I'd finish college. But after I finish, whoo, I'll go fly away with you. After, we'll go fly. I'll fly with you. So, so I ended up, I ended up kneeling down in my room many, many years ago. I, dealt, I knelt down in my dormitory room on the carpet I took from the cafeteria. Uh, I gave it back, church, after I got saved, but... But I didn't have any carpet, so they had good carpet, so I, had, I needed it. Barred it. I barred it. And so I put it down. But I remember kneeling down. I remember kneeling down on that carpet in my dormitory room, Hutchison Dorm, room 201. And I knelt down, and, I, and, and Denny was there. He was with me. And I prayed just a simple prayer and asked him to come into my life. Because, see, I felt like I didn't have any purpose. I felt like, what else is there to live when you're in the world? You just go out and drink, and you go out and party, you go out... And then, you know, okay, I've done that. What, what else is there? I grew up in, like I said, New Orleans, which is more of a, that's just party. Your whole family parties. All they do is they drink, they smoke, they get drunk, they pass out. Next morning, they're drinking Bloody Marys, and that's where it was. They fight, and then they kiss. I mean, that's what it was. That's what I saw. And I kneeled down, and, and I prayed this simple prayer and asked Jesus to come in my life. When I did, I actually felt something. Uh, I felt 21 years of something in my life that I'd never known. And it's something just lifted out of me. And the first thing I said when I prayed that prayer, I looked at Denny, I said, it's real. I said, it really is real. Let me tell you folks this. I said, you know what, this thing, church, I know we can kind of get involved, come to church. But you know what, this thing is really real. This is not just some religious kind of act that we're doing. We come into church and we get in the dance and we get in the, because we're all a bunch of nerds. So we want to come into church here because we don't fit in the world. So let's, here's our nerd church. Let's come together. No, 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 no. That's not the way it is. No, no, no. No, no, no. What it is, what it is, when you, when you really understand about the real Jesus, I'm not talking about the one in movies. I'm talking about the real one, not the plastic one, not the religious one, when the real one. When you meet the real one, what will happen to you is old things really do pass away and everything really does become new and you become a new creation that minute you pray that prayer. You understand? And everything is new. Okay. So that brings me to my message. Okay? So I want to talk to you about something. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, this church here, I pray that I can deposit something of the short time that I'm here in the lives of everyone. I'm not interested in going someplace to preach to preach. There's got to be in my life now, in my age now, the times that I, the long time I've been in ministry, 
This is something that is very important, and this is an appointment for me to give something out of me that you brought to my friends right here in Adelaide. I pray that God, this church will turn around, and everyone here, there'll be something different when they walk out that happened in their heart, in Jesus' name. All right? Turn to somebody and say, he's going to talk to you tonight. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Might as well say it to them, too. Underneath your seats, you have a piece of paper. Everyone grab that piece of paper, please. Would you do that? Okay. Now, if you don't have a pen or something to write with, I'm just going to get you something to do here in the beginning. And listen, this is going to be good and you want to do it. I know some of you are like, well, what does he want me to do? No, no, this is going to be good because who are we going to put down on this sheet of paper? We're going to put down people we know that are not saved, friends of ours, family members. So what I want you to do, you can write down 70 names if you want to. Some of you have classmates, you know their names. I want you to start listing, and then some of you have a pen, you start sharing kind of pen or pencil, share it around there, or once you finish, you can kind of share with your neighbor. But here's the instructions. Write down, just start, it doesn't matter. Write down, front and back if you want to, all the names of family members that you know, friends you know, people at work that you know. And listen, listen. What would it be like if they got saved? You say, well, it never happened. Well, we, did, we thought the same thing about you. <laughs> but look at that. You're here. Who would have thought some of your old friends would have thought you would be a Sunday night at a church? Come on. It's pretty shocking. I know my old friends can't believe. It. Once they hear, if they didn't know what happened to me, that I'm a preacher, they're shocked that I'm in a ministry. So I want you to start writing some names down. I want you to do that. All right? You got that? Let me, show you, let me show you a scripture here. I'm going to show you a scripture where you can look up and down between names here, and I'm going to preach to you a little bit. In 2 Corinthians, I'm going to show you something, and I'm gonna, I, here's what I want to do with you. Listen, listen, church, as you're writing, you can hear me. This is what I want to do. I'm going to help you understand that these names that you write down that are very dear to you, my mom and dad would have been on there. My sister would have been on there earlier, all these, all these years. I would have written my family down, close family members, not saved. I would have written down football player friends of mine that I knew that I've been friends with for many years. I'd be having a list of people. You understand what I'm saying? These are people that I desire. Wouldn't it be a miracle? Write down the miracle ones that you can't believe that it would ever happen. The one that's just so hard-headed would never, you would think, ever give their heart to God. Write that person down. Because I'm going to tell you this, nobody, nobody, there's nobody that God can't reach and God can't touch. He can touch them all. But let me show you something in Scripture that, that kind of confuses us. Look what it says here in Corinthians. Put that up there. That Scripture says, Satan, the God of this evil world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe, so they're unable to see the light. We say, well, hey, Glenn, how, does, how are you going to see the light here if the devil has blinded the minds? Well, the thing is, the reason I highlighted that, when you read Scripture, I always read Scripture, it's easy to dissect it now, I see. But they blinded the minds, but he didn't blind the heart. So he blinded my mind, but as you know, the heart is what God's going for. He's changing my heart, and once my heart, I receive him into my heart, my mind starts changing. So the devil wants your mind, but God says, I'm going to go after your heart. So I see right there that, you know what, I'm not talking to people when I talk to their head. I'm talking to them where the Holy Spirit will recall back to them the truth that I spoke when they lay their head down on their pillow. God's going to talk to them. Let me show you the rest of this here. Go ahead. It says, of the good news that is shining. They don't understand the message we preach about the glory of Christ. They don't understand. They don't get it. That's, the way, that's where I was. I didn't understand. Now listen, church. Uh, I'm a person that would not come to your church. It's not because I don't like it. It's just I'm not saved. As, a, as an unbeliever, there's not anything you can do that would get me to come here. I don't care about your music. I don't care about your smoking lights. I don't care about your Easter program. I don't care about your, whatever you do in a servanthood. It makes no difference to me. I've got better music in the world. I've got better stuff that I'm doing. I've got a better party going on than what you have. If you don't come out and get me outside this building right here and come find me, you're never going to find people like me. And Glenn Berto and your family and those names that are on there, you know they're not coming just because we have some speaker or we have something special. We've got to go out where they're at and go fishing where they're at because they're not going to come here. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. So I want to talk to you a little while about the church left the building. 
the church has to leave the building. The church leaves the building. Now, here's what I'm saying. We're not having church right now. What? Yeah, we're not having church right now. You know why we're not having church? Because I'm the only one working. You're doing nothing. Nothing. You're just sitting there. You're not even swatting devils away. You're not even doing anything. You know why? Because you don't need to. I'm doing all the work right now. All this is representing when we come together like this, all this represents is like you're going to a petrol station and you drive in with your engine and your power and you turn it off and you turn it off and so you've turned off your power to sit right here so pastors can fill you up and give you what you need so you can turn your power on and leave the petrol station and go out in the world. So you're not going to fight a devil till you walk out the exit door and that's where you need your power. Not here, but there. So you know what? We can get all excited here. And all you folks down here dancing and jumping, I wonder, can you do that outside the building? Are we only going to do it here? Are we going to look good here? And we're going to be all joyful here, powerful army? It's like Saul's army when Goliath is threatening them. They get all dressed up, ready to go, and nobody went and fought him. But they were all dressed up, ready for battle. We're all ready. We're ready to go. And that's what happens to us many times in the church. We get ready and we look mean, but soon as we walk out, we just hide. We, we don't want to say anything. We don't want to do anything. So listen, the church service then doesn't start until you leave the building. We haven't started yet. Church is not now. We're just getting what we need to go have church. So when somebody says, where's your church? Ask them, what day do you want to know? Because on Sunday, it's this address. On Monday, it might be at a coffee shop. On Tuesday, it might be at a fitness center. On Wednesday, it might be at a downtown office. On th- you see what I'm saying? Wherever you are at, the church. That's where you're at. You have church wherever you're at. Okay? Now, let me show you a few scriptures. I'm going to get ready to rock you here in a minute. I'm just kind of playing right now. Here we go in the book of Acts. book of Acts says this. Didn't we uh, tell you never again to speak in this man's name? He demanded. Instead, you have filled all Jerusalem. What is Jerusalem? A city. It's a city full of neighborhoods with your teaching about him. Show me another scripture in Acts. So there was great joy in the what? Somebody help me. In the city. So it's not talking about great joy in the church although that's what we want, there's great joy in the city. So how do we, how is victory affecting the city? How are we affecting the names we're writing down on that sheet of paper? Because we need to do this. Now, secret. Charisma called me to write a book on this right here, and I'm getting ready to tell you. We don't have an evangelism program at our church. We see a minimum of 8,000 people saved every year, minimum. We had 8,200 last year. We have too many people get saved. We have too many visitors and too many people get saved. We're kind of on the other side of it. We have a hard time keeping up because of what God is doing. And, of course, the prayer meeting gives an open heaven, and it just everybody just comes. Everything, everybody comes. It doesn't matter who they are. The other day I'm standing here, Pastor Cat, the other day I'm standing, two, uh, two weeks ago, standing right here. It looked like a, a boy was standing right here crying. And crying there, and I said, I called one of my male counselors and said, Leroy, come on over here and talk to this young man. The person looked up at me and said, I'm not a young man, I'm a girl. And uh, I'm tired of being gay. And just crying. And, uh, uh, you know, I just grabbed her hand and just prayed for her. I didn't preach on anything. I didn't preach on gay or homosexuality. I didn't preach on anything like that. You don't have to, because the anointing breaks yokes. And so I don't know what yokes there are in the building. But wherever it is, let God do his business. All I'm going to do is love people and bring them into the church. There was a lesbian that came to me and in, in my visitor's room and said, do you, will you allow lesbians to come to your church? I said, I'm your new pastor. Come right here. I want you right here. Now, why would I do that? Where else do you want people to go? Hey, I'm, a porno- I'm, I'm in pornography. I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a prostitute. Well, I'm your new pastor. Come right here. Where do you think these people should go? Leave them out of the church or bring them into the church and let them experience the love of God? Amen. Oh, it's gonna, I'm just getting wound up. See, I'm, I'm, I'm a little jet lag, but I'm just getting wound up. Let me get going. Let me, whoo, I feel something. All right. So listen, so I'm going to give you a scripture you never read that basically is the greatest scripture to depict 
what we are to do. It's in Ezekiel 16. Look at this. Here's, here's our philosophy of soul winning. Your fame soon spread, or you became famous throughout the world because of your, somebody shout beauty. beauty. Come on, everybody shout it. Beauty. Yeah, yeah. You, you mean you became famous because of your beauty? And he said, I dressed you in my splendor and perfected your what? Beauty. Yeah. Says the Lord. I perfected your beauty. Your fame spread because, wow, have we, have we missed that in a church? Have we missed it? We thought it was music. We thought it was worship. We thought it was maybe the preaching. We thought, we thought it was all the, all the different stuff that we do. We thought that. Maybe it's a sign outside. Maybe it's a location. Maybe we need to kind of make a coffee shop. Let's make it bigger. Let's do whatever. Maybe it's that. No. It has nothing to do with that at all. It has something to do with beauty. Now watch this. Watch this. You tell me, is not the world, if they're into anything what do you think they would be into more than anything else? Beauty. What is Hollywood? Beauty. Do we have ugly pageants? No. No, no. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Ugly 2016. No. There's no ugly pageants. Why? We're not into ugly. Just beautiful pageants. Yeah, that's all I have. Look on the cover of magazines, People Magazine. Here's Ugly People Magazine. Nobody wants to see Ugly People Magazine. Nobody wants to see an Ugly House Magazine. Nobody wants to see Ugly Jewelry Magazine. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just saying across the board, our world is in the beauty. So God says, hey, church, if you would just become beautiful and start loving people, all people, I will bring people to you. They'll come into your place because you know what? You love them all. You care about them. All right? Now, watch this. Now he says, let me give you the name of my church. The name of my church is going to be uh, the Bride of Christ. Now, tell me, have you ever seen an ugly bride? No, 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 no. How many, how many of you, uh, anybody here get married? Anybody, anybody here get married? No, not, not you are married. <laughs> no, how many, anybody getting married? Are we close to, how many are married? Let's just go with that. How many are married? Okay. How many ladies, you're married, raise your hand, ladies married. There's not many here. How many of you would like to get married? Raise your hand. And nobody raised their hand. What's wrong with you? The future generation, it will be none here. The, the, Australia is one generation away from just closing shop. Because they're not getting married. I'm just saying, they're not going to have any kids. All right. <laughs> okay, the bride of Christ. Watch this. Hey, and, and my wife, same thing. I can remember. Soon, you men, remember, come on, men. You remember, I'm, I'm, on, I'm talking to men. men, men we, we, we got engaged. We get that ring. Kind of big deal. We kind of set something up, kind of a surprise. And, and then the ring, you know, will you marry me? And, oh, yes. And she puts the ring on. Now, really, with God, I'm sorry, girls, but we, we like it. It's not that big a deal to us. You know, we, we're doing it really for you, and, and, and we want you, because after that, we're not even thinking about the wedding hardly at all. We don't even care. Just whatever you want to do, what you want me to wear. I wear those tuxedos from high school with the ruffles. Whatever you want me to wear, I don't care. It makes no difference to me. You, ladies, you get on the phone. Oh, you can't believe what happened tonight. Oh, he gave me. And then all day long, you're sticking it in people's face <laughs> to show. We're not doing anything. Men are not, we don't, we don't tell, we don't even tell our friends. We don't tell them. A month later, hey, did you get engaged? Yeah, no big deal. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so what happens to you ladies? Y'all flip out when you get that ring. You immediately start, oh, all, all your friends get around. Oh, what are you going to wear at the wedding? What are you going to do? What, what kind of wedding are you going to have? What kind of cake are you going to have? You're going to have to lose some weight to get into that wedding dress. You're going to have to look better than you've ever looked there. You're going to have to really dress up and look nice. Oh, what are your baby names going to be? You're going to have baby names? What are you going to name your kids? Now, the guys have not even talked about anything, but you're all talking about everything. But all of a sudden, you kind of lose. Because, see, at the, at the wedding, tell me. Is that the most pictures you have taken of yourself ever in your life? Was that a wedding? Because you kind of like, you better get some pictures. I may not look this good ever. You better give me right now. Okay. 
I've been, I've done weddings where you go into the bridesmaid's room, just they're into beauty. They're just, oh, they got, I mean, there's hairspray, you can't even breathe. It's like a cloud of hairspray. And, and then they, oh, you're fluffing a dress out. You're fluffing this thing out. Oh, you look so beautiful. And all this, oh, I'm so happy for you. You go over to the men and nobody's even talking in their room. Nobody's talking. They're all just kind of depressed. <laughs> hey, Bobby, you got 10 minutes, 10 minutes. Still want to do this? Okay. Men come in. Men come in. <clears throat> Nobody cares, right? <clears throat> we come in. You don't even care. Nobody stands. Nobody claps. We're all looking to the back, right? Is that it? Because we're waiting to see the one beautiful because you men are ugly. And so we come in. That's right. You're ugly. You come in and we're all looking for the beauty. So we come in. We stand. Men are standing there and I'm standing up here. And then all of a sudden the doors open done. Now, I'm going to help some of you single men here, so listen, some of you single boys. They start singing a song. When they start singing a song, dun, dun, da, dun, 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 da, dun. Now, when that song starts playing, let me tell you, men, you are done, dun, da, dun. <laughs> just, just letting you know. You might as well get an apron and a lawnmower. You are done. All right. <laughs> you are done, done, done. All right. And, and, and so the wedding, the wedding is all about beauty because we're the bride. The church said the bride. So it's all about beauty. So here, here, here. So what if, what if, can this church handle it? If a little girl walked in right now, about 18 years old, and she had a little halter top, a little top on with no bra on, little, little short pants, real tight pants, walk with these little pump shoes, and she's just walking in. You know right away she's a prostitute. She's coming in, and you're thinking here, why is this little girl in church dressed like that? I'll tell you why. It's because she doesn't have anything else to wear is why. Number two is, she grew up with a crack addict mama that did tricks in a bed and sold herself, and she doesn't know what else to do. She doesn't know how to even make some money to live. So she's been walking the streets. So what you do, because we're beautiful, we say, honey, you come over here. Come sit right by me, and you're going to be okay. I'm glad you're in church. We love you, and I'm glad you're here. Come on, church. This is the way you got to be. It's the way you got to be. Lazarus is dead. He's resurrected, but he's coming out. But he's not wearing church clothes yet. He's wearing his death garments that he has on. He doesn't have the proper clothing, but he wants to go to church. I'm coming out. Will we let him come? Or do we judge him? And do we say something? Because see, beauty won't do that. Beauty's going to say, you're, right, you're in the right place here. You're in a gang, you're in the right place here. You're, pro, you're in the right place here. Whatever your situation, you're in the right place here. You come here, and I'll just let God clean you up, but I'm going to love you till God cleans you up. Amen? Amen? All right. Anybody ever heard of Frankenstein? We have the Bride of Christ churches, and then we have the Bride of Frankenstein churches. Bride of Frankenstein is man-made, ugly, put together with dead parts, scared of fire, and only had one friend named Igor. Some of you don't know who Frankenstein is, huh? And so basically, Frankenstein was just a, uh, it was, it, this idea in the church is, is that we, Frankenstein was ugly. He's put together with dead parts. Churches are that way. I'm describing church. If we're Bride of Christ church, you can also be that way too. Now, in this area of beauty here, and in this area, I had to learn something of how to reach people. So I'm going to be real practical. I'm going to tell you some stories here. What, what, back when I first got saved, I was playing football. All of a sudden, I get saved. And now this guy, Denny, had a band. And we were like the Backstreet Boys. We, we were the first. We were in sync. We were, we were before they were ever around. We were it. And we went into churches, and we'd have revival meetings, Okay. I'm only saved for two weeks. I don't, I don't even have a Bible yet. 
I have just prayed a prayer, and now I'm playing the guitar because he didn't have a guitar player. He needed me to go play. So I go play. Now, this is where I learned a little bit about how to witness to some of these people. Now, I'm from Louisiana, and all of a sudden, we go to Kansas City, Missouri, which is a long way away. Okay, it's like going from Adelaide to Brisbane. And so, and, and so we're there, our first thing we're doing about four nights. We're in Kansas City, Missouri. Now, we have swamps. They have parks. Never been to a park. We have swamp. They have parks. So Denny says to us, go out and invite people in the parks and bring them back and have them come back to our meeting. I said, okay. I said, what do we, what do we say? I don't know. What do I say to people? I don't know what to say to people. He said, just, you know, just tell them to come back and come to our meeting. Invite them to come. Come on. Well, okay. So I go on out, and I'm looking for a normal person. This is my first time ever. I'm going to show you my, my first four times, first four people God gave to me to witness to. First four. Here's the first one. I'm walking around and said, look like a normal guy. Hey, how you doing? My name's Glenn. What's your name here? He said, my name's Rick. Hey, Rick, how you doing? Hey, man, look, we're in town here. We're from Louisiana, and we're having meetings at the church over here. He said, I'd like for you to come. He goes, what do you mean, come? To, is it tonight? I said, yeah. He said, you don't know what's going on in the park tonight? I said, no. I said, what's going on? He said, you hadn't heard who's here in Kansas City in the park? I said, no. I said, who's here? He goes, Guru Maharajai. Guru who? Guru Maharajai? Yeah. He said, you've never heard of him? I said, no. I said, do you you think he's God? Oh, he's better than God. Wow. He said, if you come tonight, you'll see something you've never seen before. You'll see when he sits on that altar. You'll see the glory around him. And in the air, you will taste the nectar in the air. I've never, never tasted nectar in the air. I wonder if I can get out of my thing and taste nectar. In, you know, I mean, he was like winning me over, you know. I, I, you ever have somebody you talk to and it's like, I'm not, I'm not winning this at all. I'm losing. And I'm like, I, and he goes, I got to go. And I'm like, oh, wow, that didn't go anywhere. That's the first person. Here's the second person I ever witnessed. To. I'm looking now for a cleaner cut person. I'm looking for normal, and I try, and here's the guy. Hey, my name's Glenn, we're in town, such, such. Can you come to, our, come to our meeting tonight? He goes, no, we have a Bible study tonight. Oh, good. Won't you take your Bible study and come to our meeting? He goes, no, we're studying the satanic Bible. My second person. I said, you're studying a satanic? I didn't even know my own Bible. I didn't have my own Bible, but it's a satanic Bible. He goes, we're studying the satanic Bible. I said, you're studying a Satan's Bible? He goes, yeah. He said, he said, he's stronger than your God. And he starts witnessing to me about that. I don't even know what to tell him because I don't have a scripture. And then he walks off. I'm like, boy, I said, you know what? The devil's just trying to embarrass me. I said, just because I don't know anything, he's trying to embarrass me. I said, boy, I said, that's not going to happen again. I said, that's not going to happen again. So I went ahead and I went to a bookstore and I bought a family Bible. I thought the bigger the Bible would be, it would be better. So I had a family Bible like this. I didn't buy a little small one. I thought you buy the bigger, it's more powerful to show off. Now, what happened is, is we flew to Los Angeles, and I flew to Los Angeles for the first time. Now, some of you older would remember in airports, they used to have Hare Krishnas in airports, and they would have a rug, and they'd be sitting in airports, and they'd try to sell you books. They can't do that anymore, but back in my day, they did. So I have my Bible really big, and I have this giant family Bible, and I'm walking around, and when I get off the plane, I'm just looking for somebody to take a piece of me, because I'm ready to go ahead and unload, because I'm now playing. I'm in senior year of football, and I'm in pretty good shape right now, and I'm waiting for the devil to come out. So I'm walking around kind of showing my family Bible off, and all of a sudden this guy who is shaved, has a ponytail, has a robe on, has some little monkey clippers on here. He starts running up to me like this, <laughs> and he's clicking these little symbols. He looks at me and said, hello, my friend. Like, well, hello, Tinkerbell. I said, I said, I said what do you want? Now, I'm a, I'm, an old, I'm a football player. I'm just saved. You know, I'm just saved. And he goes, I would like to give you my Bible. Uh, my, he said, I'd like to give you my book here. And you can place that on your book over there. And I looked at the cover of it. And it didn't look like my family Bible book. I didn't know what my book said, but it was a big book. And I saw pictures of like all these gods and stuff. And I knew it was bad. And so I said, thank you for your book. And what I was going to do is throw it in the garbage. So I said, thank you for your book. Thank you. And I put it. I kept walking. Well, he can't go ahead and go back to his rug and sit down until he sells his book. I can't take his book. 
So he runs after me like this, and he's clicking. And he goes, hey, you need to give me some money for that book. I said, you didn't tell me to give you money for the book. You just said, do you want the book? I said, yes. I said, thank you for your book. And I, and I kept walking. I'm walking. Well, now he gets clicking mad now. He's, he's, mark, he's, he's, he's clicking now. Hey, you got to give me some money for the book or you got to give me the book back. Now, I'm standing in the middle of the Los Angeles airport, about 200 people around. Now we're in the center of the airport, and he's standing there. He said, give me the book back. And now I lose it. I said, I'm not giving you the book back. I said, have you looked at yourself lately? Got a ponytail with little clippers on your fingers here. Is your mama proud of you? I said, I didn't know what to say. I'm, I'm just saved. I said, you know where this book needs to go? It needs to go in the garbage. You know what? And you need to get your head together. And you know why you stopped me? Because I have this book. I don't know what it says, but it's the best book in the world. And I took his book and I threw it in the garbage. So that's where it belongs. He goes, ah! And he runs off. And I said, Lord, maybe I was a little too hard. Maybe just come back, pull back a little bit. Pull back, pull back, baby, pull back. So I'm trying to get balanced. That's not the worst one. That's not the funniest one. This next one. This is true. You, you know, you could, I couldn't make this up. Well, I'm into the church. I'm in the church. And I'm setting up like a, a material in the back by myself. By myself. All of a sudden, this little guy, about five feet tall, little bitty guy, he walks in the back. I'm by myself with the guy. He walks in like this. He's, he says, hello. Hey, how you doing? May, may I ask you a question? I said, yes, grasshopper, sure. <laughs> what, do you, what do you want to know? He said, I would like to, you to tell me about Christianity. I'm studying religions of the world, and I'm studying religions, and I want to hear what you believe. Now, I don't, I, I, all I know what I believe is just what I, happened to me. So I start telling him my testimony. And you know what? Then I knelt down on my rug. I took it from the cafeteria. And I, and I accepted the Lord. And my life has just totally been changed. And he goes, thank you. And he starts walking off. I said, no, no. I can't lose another one. I go, God, help me to figure this thing out. I can't lose one. I said, no, no. Come back. Bonus question. Give me one more, one more question. Come on back. True, true, true story. He comes back. Okay. One more question. He says this, what does God think of motion? Uh, come again, come again. What, what, what did you say? Did, what did you say? He said, what does God think of motion? Uh, I'm, I'm, hey, man, I'm not, I'm not following. I'm not following you, man. What, what are you saying? He said, this is what he does. He says, like picking this book up and putting it here. And then picking it back up and putting it here. What does God think of motion? Oh, God. What? Oh, is there a book called Motion in the Bible? I don't, did I miss reading a chapter called Motion? God, help me answer, Grasshopper. I need to know what to say to him. Give me an answer, and then I can help and I can win him over. Okay. What's the question? He said, what does God think of motion? I said, okay, you ready for this? I said, God said that it's okay. <laughs> what? I said, if you want to pick the book up from here and put it there and pick it back up and put it there, all day, do it all day. God doesn't care. Watch, now here's the key. He starts leaving. I, I failed again. I said, hey man, thanks for coming. I uh, enjoyed talking to you. Just want to tell you I love you. He stopped, turned around and said, what did you say? I said, thanks for coming. No, 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 what did you say at the end? What did you say at the end? I said that I love you? Yeah. Why did you say that to me? Because I know you're so different than me, but why did you say that? I said, I'm going to tell you something. Two weeks ago, friend, 
I wouldn't have talked to you because you're weird. <laughs> I'm just saved. Give me a break. I'm just saved. But I said, since God changed me, you care. I care about your soul. And I want you to be in heaven with me. He goes, but you didn't say that out of your head. You said that out of your heart. I said, I did. Because I really meant it, man. I said, we're, a lot of, we're different. We're different in a lot of ways. But I'm going to tell you this. I still care for you and your soul. And I care where you spend eternity. He looks at me. He goes, that's what I'm looking for. He comes to church that night, gives his life to the Lord, gets filled with the Spirit. His life totally turns around. They know we are Christians by our love. They know we're Christians by our love. By our love. You know what? We have a lot of things in common with unsaved people. Do you know that? They go to the grocery store. Don't, don't Christians go and sinners go? They go there. Um, Christians and sinners go shopping. Go shopping together. Christians and sinners have hobbies. They have the same hobbies. They have all that. Christians and sinners have, get, get on all of the, the, the social networks. How many on social networks? How many, how many of you older here, your kids helping you with the social networks? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. I got to ask my kids. My, my kids years ago came to me and said, and, and here, here's my answer. I'm going to help all of you. So if I was, I'm going I'm to come out with a new, new social network, and I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. Just go and settle all these different social networks. My kids come up to me and say, Dad, you got to get on YouTube. Get, you, have you seen YouTube? I haven't seen YouTube. Okay, you got to get on YouTube. Okay. Well, hey, Dad, do you have Twitter? You need to get on Twitter. Get Twitter. You got to find Twitter. Where's Twitter at? All right, let me get it for you. Here, here's Twitter. Okay, good. I, I guess I'm set up. No, you have Facebook? You got to get Facebook. You got to get that. You got to get that on your thing. Yeah, Facebook. So I, forget all of them. I'm going to come up with one social network, and I'm going to call it you twit face. <laughs> That's it. Settle it. That settles it. We all have that. We all have you twit face, and we don't need anything else. When I got saved, it took uh, 15 years for my one person in my family to get saved. 15 years. My sister would have been on, a, on that, and a year and a half later, she dies of ovarian cancer. 33 years of age with three kids, three little kids. I don't understand it. I don't understand some of the things that go on. At least I don't understand. I don't understand what, what happened to my sister and how... how uh, the three kids grow up without a Christian mom and, and you know, have something like that. I don't, I, don't, I don't understand that. I don't get it at all. I'll, I, 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 I'll have, uh, I have a lot of questions that I know God has, has answers to. Heaven's, heaven's a place of answers. It really is. Heaven's a place that answers everything, every question you had. It'll answer everything. And it'll all, when he answers, it'll make sense to us, too. It'll make sense. But my, I led my sister to the Lord, and that was my first one. I can remember, I can remember the Planet Shaker meetings, and I can remember standing up in some of the arenas in, uh, in Brisbane and different places in Perth and all of that and over here. And I remember having these massive altar calls. Yeah, you can come play. And I had these massive altar calls. You might as well, you came up here to play. And, and so I had these massive altar calls. And I had these altar calls, and, and here's, listen, listen what the devil would do to me. The devil would say to me, hey, hey, Berto, you can't even win your own family. What do you think you're doing all the way over in Australia and you can't even win your family? I wonder if they know that, all these people that you, can, you don't even know their name and you're going ahead and you can't even reach your mom and dad. You can't even touch your family. And every time he did that, I would give another altar call. I said, okay, there's somebody else. In the, I said, you keep talking to me, I'm going to keep giving altar calls. So I'd give an altar call because he wasn't going to win. And I'd see more people come down. I said, say it again, and I'm going to give another call. And more people would come down every time I would do that. But I went over 35 years with my parents, 40 years. They're in their, they're 80 years old, 79 and 80 years of age. Their son has been a minister probably for 35 years by then. I've preached around the world different places. And my own parents don't ever ask me a question of what I do. My mom's still living today, and she's 86 or 80, she might be 87 now. She doesn't know what to ask me. She doesn't know what to say, you know, because church has never been part of their lives. 
But you know that scripture that says that God will give you your house. I thought when I got saved, I would see my house saved quickly. You know, you see that happen quickly. And I didn't see it happen quickly. And there are times I walked through this where I said, you know what? I don't know if they're ever going to get saved. And I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could go to heaven and I don't know how God's going to erase that from my mind that I didn't have a family and they didn't go to heaven. And not, you know, I don't know how, you know, I don't, I'm like you. I don't know how that's going to work. But you promised. There was a promise. Do you realize there's 8,000 promises in the Bible? And the only thing we can go on is that promise will come true because Daddy said so. It's all I got is Daddy said so. And I trust Daddy that what he says, he tells the truth because he can't lie. So I remember going through years and preaching and building church and doing all this. But I had a hole in me that my family was not going to heaven. I remember sitting down and I'd visit them in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And it was, this was years back, not, not really too long ago. And I said, I'm not going back home, Mom and Dad, until you, until you understand that you have to give your heart to the Lord to go to heaven. Oh, Glenn, you know what? We're a good person. We're good people. We didn't murder anybody. You know, they go through this, this hard. We hadn't murdered anybody and stuff. No, no, it's a, that's not, you know, we're not talking about being a good person. Well, I know so-and-so says they're going, and, you know, if they're going, surely we're going to go. You know, you hear that from your family and, and relatives and friends. And I said, look, I said, you don't understand, Mom. And I tried to explain to them. I'm sitting here trying to explain to them. And then I said, listen, you're not going to see Linda, who's my sister. I said, you understand? You're grieved. You're still grieving over her. I said, you're not going to see her. Because Linda prayed a prayer with me that I want to pray the same one with you. And she had to pray that like I did to go to heaven. And I said, I don't want to go without you. Do you understand? I don't want to go without you. So I'm not leaving, flying back home until you understand this where we can be in heaven as a family. And I'm telling some of you with your family, you may be young, you may be old, but you may have to have one of these talks with them. You see what I'm saying? I'm just telling this to help you. You're my family. We're all family here. And I said, will you pray with me? I said, so we can all see Linda together. And finally, after 35, 40 years, me in the ministry, with my mom and dad sitting at the kitchen table, I prayed a prayer, and they prayed it after me. Saw tears in my dad's eyes. Never seen him cry. He's an old World War II guy, you know, tough guy. My mom sits and watches. She, she, she can't get out anymore, so she sits and watches on the Internet. We have to show her how to run the Internet and, and show her how to do it. And she, 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 she sees us streaming our service, and she's able to watch it all the way. And she gets her lunch. She sits down, and then she types to me. And I don't know if she tells me how much I, I preach, but she says, oh, I liked your shirt. I liked your, you, the way you look. You really look good up there. But then she starts saying, but you know what? No one really preaches like you. And, you know, it really neat. My mom's never listened to me. My mom's never come. My mom and dad's never come to church much at all. They never came to see me. But see, I know now, here's my sisters in heaven. My dad's in heaven. My mom's getting close. But I know this now, my whole family is saved. And then I look back at the, the generational line of my life. My wife is going to heaven. My three children are going to heaven. My two son-in-laws, my daughter-in-law, all going to heaven. I got five grandchildren raised in this. Wow. Look what was started because someone went out to a dormitory where I was and said the church is not only going to be in a building, I'm going to leave the building and I'm going to go find him. And God's changed me and now has totally changed my entire generational line. Wouldn't that be incredible for you to start something like that in your family? Start that with your friends. The fullback that played in front of me texted me when I was here. He didn't know I was in Australia. He said, hey, they called me Boom Boom because I, I scored so many touchdowns and stuff. He, and he said, Boom Boom. He said, man, I just want to thank you that years ago you shared Christ with me and you didn't give up on me. And he said, now I'm looking at my Christian wife that I have. 
I'm looking at my sons. He lives in Texas. I'm looking at my sons that are in the ministry. And he said, I can't believe what God has done, but it's because of you, because you stopped and loved me enough to be able to help me understand. And because of that, I don't know where my life would have been. I wouldn't have been alive by now. Those people's names that you have on that card, do you realize all of them have a generational line? All of them going to have kids, grandkids, and so forth. All of them going to do that. I wonder, all of you here, what will they say about you? What are they going to say? Are they going to speak well and speak how great you were? Because I'm going to tell you this. I've been in a lot of bedside deaths as a pastor in families. I've never heard one person talk about, I wish they could work more on the job. They wish they could go ahead and build something else and buy something else. Everybody talks about family. Everybody. Never fails. I love my family. I love this here. I, just the other day, I'm, I'm, I'm there, Pastor, I, I'm there, and I'm having to get a son that's been addicted for 20 years of his life, totally away from his dad, who's on the board of my church, and they were totally didn't talk to each other. His dad is dying. I'm at the hospital, and the boy is standing out outside there, and I said, are you going to straighten this out with your dad before he passes on? He's crying. He said, I gotta make it right, Pastor Glenn. I've got to, you, yes, you gotta make it right. Now get in there, because I don't know if your dad's gonna be here tomorrow. You better take care of this. And he went in there right away. His dad began to cry, and he passed away within two days. There's something that we carry here that we need to carry. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.